All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And Lord, uh, the whole world is celebrating Easter as a holiday today. But Lord, we understand the power and the importance of the resurrection every day. The Christian life and the Christian ministry is centered around the fact that there is a resurrection and that you didn't just die, but you died for our sins, was buried and rose again. Lord, we thank you for that. We also thank you, God, that you're sitting on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. We pray, oh God, that you would make intercession for us this morning. God, help us, forgive us, strengthen us, lead us, inspire us. God, all the things that we need to make it through this coming week. We pray, God, that you would uh, supply for us. And Lord, you've supplied every need so far. And we thank you, God, for everything you've done for us. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 16. Let's read just a little bit. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king, His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. All right, we'll stop reading right there and come back to verse number one. And of course, this passage picks up a great deal about a king. We've dealt with fathers and sons. We've dealt with that relationship, mothers and sons. We've dealt with that relationship. Now, this is the relationship between a, between a man or between, a, you could just say, a person and his king, his leader, his ruler. And this is secondarily in regards to Christ. But the first priority of the statement is about man and his relationship to a literal and physical government. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings. So, of course, you can apply these things to the Lord, and you get great lessons about the Lord out of this passage of Scripture. But He is, again, I've told you this many times, but the uh, primary reason for the book of Proverbs is to teach men how to be men. And you'll be a much better Christian. You'll be a much better saint of God once you learn how your responsibilities as a man And then I guess this is a good time to put this in there since we live in a rebellious age is that the responsibilities of men being responsible as a man or a woman, a boy and a girl, is not relieved by grace. 
Grace does not relieve your responsibilities to God in the sense of morality. And grace does not relieve your responsibility to your mother and your father or the magistrate in regards to morality and the law and all these things. It's just not that. Now, when something goes blatantly against God, you have uh, the mandate from the book of Acts to obey God rather than man. You certainly do. And then we'll get into the situation where we're covering these things about king and uh, kings. And you just read this passage about uh, the king having a divine sentence. In other words, when he's making judgment, he he has a very strong sense of what's right and wrong. And then people will begin to start applying that to the mayor of London or, you know, Barack Obama. And he's right about everything. The Bible says, no, Barack Obama's not a king. How easy is that to figure out? Uh, we have taken it up upon ourselves as Americans to, uh, to live under basically, I'm not saying exactly, but basically a commonwealth where everybody gets a say, which is a farce, but it didn't start out as a farce. It started out as a very serious, uh, what they called an experiment to see how people would rule over themselves. And, but what you've got out of that is a corrupt system now where where people put a lot of money in to make sure one guy gets elected no matter who votes for what or who wants You just try to get your name in the presidential uh, election and see if you make it past the local level. It's just You just don't do it. They decide who gets the nomination, and then you vote for who they tell you to vote for. That's all there is to it. I mean, vote for your uncle next election and see if that gets anywhere Call the National Election Board and see if you can get your name on the ballot along. Just, you just can't do it. It's fixed to where you can't do it. If you did it, you'd have to pour millions and millions of dollars into it to get it on there. And they'd take your money and then they'd laugh at you after the news media ate you up in the first debate. But at any rate, we don't have time for that. We're talking about the fact that Barack Obama and Donald Trump are not kings. And the monarchy, and this is not an American thing to say whatsoever, but a monarchy is God's chosen form of government. It's the government that, that was natural in the progression of history. You didn't come up through the progression of history from Adam with presidents and prime ministers and so forth and so on. You had kings. And when the nation of Israel wanted a king like everybody else, they got Saul. When they got a king like God wanted, they got David. And when they get the king that they ought to have, they'll have Jesus. And he won't be a prime minister and he won't be waiting on the approval of Senate either. Amen. When the Lord comes, he's going to abolish abortion the first day and he's not going to wait to see what the senators vote on it or think about it. And he's not going to give the, he's not going to give the lobbyists 35 seconds of his time so they can offer him $50 million to, to vote one way or the other. He's just not going to do that. Amen. Now you got, that's the system we live in. A, a lot of you folks paying money to the NRA so the NRA can go lobby Congress to give you rights you've already got. Amen. I see these advertisements all the way all the time for the NRA we're fighting for your rights to keep your guns no sir that's not no no, you're not you're lobbying Congress to give us rights that we already have gun rights if they're fought for they're fought for with guns the Redcoats marched to Lexington and Concord for the express purpose of taking away guns and that didn't work out too well for them 
Amen. Farmers took care of that. That's what those fellows were. Amen. Make you feel patriotic here on this July the 4th. Have I got my holidays mixed up? This is Easter, not July the 4th. Amen. Amen. But at any rate, this chapter is about kings. And God's chosen form of government is, is a monarchy. It's a king. And, of course, that, that doesn't go over too well with Americans. But uh, one good king would be better than all the representatives and senators and presidents and so forth and so on that you could even imagine. But where do you find a good king? There's one here in your book you ought to read about. Amen. He's coming, and he will certainly be in charge before you know it. Amen. The preparations of the heart in man, verse number one. Let's look at this. I, I don't usually, I haven't usually given you an overview of the chapter before I started teaching on it, but I think I can save maybe ten minutes by doing that. So let's get into the verse now. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now that gives, a, I don't like to use the word spooky, but that gives a spooky uh, indication right there of what's going on when you open your Bible and when you start thinking about and meditating about the things of God. The preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. When you're studying the Bible, when you're studying the Word of God, when you're studying righteousness, when you're studying life, all these things that, that come from God, all these blessings that we receive from God, the preparations in your heart and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In, in other words, the things that you're studying and the answers you come up with are from the Lord. And now if you've got a wicked heart and you've got evil designs and the intent of your heart is not right before God, He'll give you something to study like the earth is flat. <laughs> Amen. If, you, if you're messing around with God's things, God's truth, the Bible talks about in the New Testament that we're supposed to be faithful stewards, not of the tithe. That's not what that reference is about. The book of Corinthians is misquoted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times in regards to this issue. And they say we're supposed to be good stewards of God's money. The verse has nothing to do with money. It's the mysteries of God. And if, you're not, if, you're not, if you don't have a right heart towards it and you begin to mess around and, and you begin to dabble with the mysteries of God, he'll give you something to talk about like, God's all through with Israel and we're the new chosen people and all this kind of stuff. And he'll just let you go off on a tangent and make a mess of yourself and any other person who wants God to make a mess of them by their actions. They're telling God that they want him to make a mess of them. If you know that God is righteous and that God can see the thoughts and intents of your heart and you know that he's a just God and you go ahead and try to sneak around and connive where it has to do with God's Word and God's things, God's going to mess your mind up. And he's going to, not only is He going to mess your mind up, He's going to let you open your mouth about it and other people who are just like you be led astray by you. And I can think of lots of guys right off the bat. Stephen Anderson being the chief one of all the ones I can think of right at this point in time. But the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The Lord decides what you know and what you learn and what you think. The Lord said He would choose your delusion. He would choose it for you. Amen? That's from the Old Testament. And He says, All the ways of man are clean in His own eyes. That's why 
That's why I say, everybody raise your hand if you're right. <laughs> and uh, I say, you know, tell me something that you're wrong about. And there's no answer. Nobody can do it because everybody is right in their own eyes. All the ways of man are clean in its own eyes. That's why you need the Lord to weigh the spirits. You need the Lord to uh, to get involved. That's what we have a ministry for. I've been thinking about this quite a bit this week, and there is a large movement of people in this day and age saying, I'm not going to follow a man, I follow God. That sounds good, but it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's people now that are starting home churches, and that, that's been going on for quite a while now. I think it's lost a little bit of its, of its allure, but there's still a lot of people that's doing it who were already, you know, they got involved with it in years past. And there, there's, you know, there's internet gurus that, you know, promote home churches and stuff like that. It's not gone, but the, the allure of it's kind of gone because you see people that get involved with that kind of stuff, they get divorced every three weeks and, and you know, just all kinds of ridiculous stuff like that. But uh, all the ways of man are clean in his own lives, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Now, what you've got here is a very, uh, another very serious statement. The Lord weigheth the spirits. And that shows that the spirit in a man decides really how he sees himself. It, 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 there's a power there in your spirit the Bible tells us that when a man dies, his spirit returns to the Lord that made it. And so what he's talking about is the, the Lord weigheth the spirits. The Lord sees what's going on in your spirit, and he'll deal with the man according to that. And that response in man is going to decide what the Lord uh, reveals to you as far as you're right and you're wrong. I spoke to a man over the weekend. He was fully convinced that it was the outward things that matter, and and I've I've heard the response. I don't want to be a hypocrite a hundred thousand times, but that's all you're talking about. All the outward stuff, and and that's just the way that's just the way that men see themselves. I'm right, and I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I'm not going to try to be a Christian, and I'm not going to be something I'm not. But you, what the thing you don't understand is, if you're lost, you're already a hypocrite. <laughs> And if you're saved in the flesh, you are a hypocrite already. And that's just the plain, straight truth of the matter. There is no way for you to be right in your own eyes. If you are right in your own eyes, you need to humble yourself. God can humble you, but it'd be much better if you'd humble yourself and just say, well, Lord, teach me where I'm wrong. David himself was a man after God's own heart. You would be likely to say, if you were likely to say it about anybody, if he's a man after God's own heart, well, he's got this whole thing down pat. But David was continually searching. He said, Lord, now I want to be clean from my, from my presumptuous sins. And anything, anything, if there's an unclean part of me, uh, dig it out and show it to me. And David was saying things that I've hardly heard anybody in my whole life say, he would say, judge me, O God, according to my own uprightness. You wouldn't pray that unless you wanted a lightning bolt to pop you on top of the head if you were being honest about yourself. But David was at a place where he understood what he was made of and he had an idea about, about his lowliness and how he was made, how he was framed, how he came from his father Adam. And he would t tell God now, what he had in mind, I think, when he was praying that stuff, I'm doing the best I can, but help me get better. I know there's room for improvement here, and I think everybody understands that terminology, so I use it better. The Lord weigheth the spirits. The Lord weighs those spirits, 
if they're found wanting, if your spirit's found wanting, you've got a proud or a haughty spirit, you're heading for destruction. If you've got a humble spirit that says, Lord, would you help me? Would you correct me? Would you lead me? Would you correct me before my own ways start correcting me? Start paying for my own sins? Start reaping what I've sowed? Would you help me before I get that far? And the Lord will help you before you get that far. All, all, if you look at yourself, you're like, man, I'm right with God. But, but you've got a lot of things to, to, to get straight still. So have that attitude with the Lord. The Lord likes that attitude. Amen. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says. And then he says this in verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now that's a, a lot of people think first and work second. And that's good. That's good. There's nothing wrong with thinking and then thinking things through. There's nothing wrong with that. But the verse is a, is a pretty good verse in, in regards to telling you about letting the Lord do a lot of the worrying instead of you doing the worry. A lot of times you do the worrying and then you're finally forced into action and you spent six months not thinking about it, but you spent six months worrying about it before you take action. This is not what he says. He says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. In other words, you get down on your knees and say, now God, I've got to do this thing and I have to take care of this problem. It doesn't make any difference what it was. This is life. He says, commit thy works to the Lord. Get down on your knees and say, God, I have to do this. I have to go to work tomorrow. I have to put a new roof on the house tomorrow. I have to do this. I have to do that. Whatever it is, Lord, I have to do this, and I commit it to you and ask you to help me with it, and then get busy. And that's what this verse says. And thy thoughts shall be established. As you begin to work and you need to do this or that, be mindful of the leadership of the Lord, and He'll tell you what you should and shouldn't do. You'll feel real, you, you, you will be impressed. I promise you, a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in that. And if you take that to the far extreme, then you'll become, you know, Benny Hinn telling everybody what you think. <laughs> Amen. The Lord laid it on my heart to tell you this. Well, the Lord didn't tell me. <laughs> what are you, the book of John? <laughs> And I've seen people like, now, preacher, the Lord laid it on my heart to tell you that you need to do this or that. I ain't listening to that. Not for one second. Amen. You're not the book of John, amen. You're not the book of Matthew. You're not the book of Revelation. You're not the Word of God. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not a prophet in the sense of the Old Testament. You can't add to the Word of God. I've got to commit my works to the Lord, and He'll establish my thoughts, just like you commit your your works to the Lord and He'll establish your thoughts. Amen. He'll give you the right instruction along the way. You can get it from you can get it from reading the Bible, you can get it from prayer, you can get but whatever the case may be, when you're doing works, when you're out there performing the task of life, you commit it to the Lord, He'll direct you in it. Amen. And you ought to be see now we live in the age of psychology and people call it intuition. The Bible calls it discernment. People call it intuition. They call it, a, I had a gut feeling. Uh, you'd be surprised to find out, especially if you committed your works to the Lord, you'd be surprised to find out a lot of times your gut feeling's right. Now, if you're out trying to chase a woman or drink beer, I wouldn't put no, too much trust in 
in your own heart. Amen. The heart's deceitful above all things, yet desperately wicked. Who can know it? But if you commit your ways to the Lord, He will definitely establish your thoughts. That's what the verse says. We have to take that as one of God's promises. Amen. Then verse number four, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. All this stuff belongs to the Lord. You've heard this said, and we are jumping between subjects here because that's the way the Lord gave it to us in the chapter. But you've heard it said many times. I've quoted you the verse, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You've heard men stood up and they've testified about all that God's give them. You've heard men say in, in private conversations, uh, all, the only things we have are the things that God gives us, life, breath. He gives you a place to live. And a lot of people, well, I worked for that house. Well, God gave you the, the ability to work. He, gave, he designed your body so that it could swing a hammer or write out mathematical formulas on a, on a set of blueprints. God gave you that ability. And everything, God made everything for himself. He made the trees that you built your house out of. And all he had to do was withhold the trees. And you'd have you a mud hut. Amen. So he says, the Lord hath made all things for himself. And your, so everything you have ought to be glorifying God. And I come short in that. I don't uh, pay as much attention to this verse as I should. Or even the, the thought that's behind the verse. I think of my things as things that I've produced. And they're for my glory. But we're thinking wrong when we think that way. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Your house, your car, your radios, your TVs, that's the things that the Baptists uh, abuse. He said, you got a radio, that's God's radio. You don't have any right to listen to whatever you want to. Listen to things that glorify God. Amen. Amen. You're close, they're not yours. It's my body. Says the woman, I'll have an abortion. No, that's God's body. Amen. 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 That's God's body. Amen. Well, you could, you could make the feminist crowd mad along these lines. Women don't have any rights. That's, that's crazy talk in, the, in this day and age that we live in. Uh, a woman belongs to her, to her, to her father first. You say, how long? Till she gets married. Then she belongs to her, to her husband. Just, I mean, like that and have a good life or lump it. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. That's the way God made you. You're a helpmeet for a man. What's your last name? Well, I'm going to keep my last name. Well, you're in it. When I was in the in the Marine Corps, we had this little guy that was he was a Jewish guy. I went and ate the Passover with him one day. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be. But at any rate, uh, this little fellow Webster, he's uh, he brought his wife to work with him one day, and she was an attractive girl and all this stuff. And he introduced her to us. This is my wife. This I can't remember what her name was, but her last name wasn't Webster. He says this was. This is such and such, whatever her first name was, Kennedy. Her last name was Kennedy. And I said, I, now I'm a dumb old country boy. I'd only been in the Marine Corps about a year and a half at that time, and I hadn't seen nothing of the world. I said, your name's Webster and her name's Kennedy? I said, 
I mean, well, y'all just living together, right? No, she's my wife. But she, her last name's Kennedy. I guess he wanted me to be impressed with the, you know, the Kennedys. And evidently she was impressed with it because she wanted to keep her name, this little Jewish fella. Uh, I was like, man, that's, that's kind of weird. I mean, what if another guy comes along and her name ain't your name? And I mean, what, what, Well, he, she'll tell him. Uh, I thought, man. And we're all photographers. We, some of us go out with the NIS, uh, Naval Investigative Service, some with the MPs. and Some of us went out and, and did different things for training and all kinds of stuff like that. And one day, this little fella comes in the dark room back there, and he's got, a, he's got a big package in his hand. And he says to me, he says, hey, I want you to uh, process this film for me. And I said, what is it? Something you've been, what, what you've been working on? And he said, I, just keep it under your hat, would you? He said, my wife wants you to do this for her. I set it aside and do my work and reach to pick that up later on. And I pick it up and stick it up on the monitor so I can see all the, all the negatives there. And it's his wife. with She's not clothed. And I stepped back and I put, pulled that stuff down. I stuffed it back in the envelope and I took it and stuck it on their, on their gunnery sergeant's desk. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that probably. But in my mind, I said, she's not his wife. She's not his wife. Why would you send somebody else something like that and not take a little fella's name if you're his wife? Amen. And that goes a long ways. to All these ladies on Facebook, and every day you've got to put a selfie. Who are you grinning at? Oh, that's for my husband. He's sitting right there, ain't he? Well, you got to have a low-cut top and the yoga pants to put on Instagram. If you're his wife. <clears throat> I'm calculating to see how I got there. That come down from the heavens, obviously. But that, yeah, right here, the Lord hath made all things for himself. You don't get to decide what kind of clothes you wear. Men, you belong to the Lord. The man belongs to the Lord. The man was made for God. The woman was made for the man. Amen. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. I'll tell you what this stuff is about. Getting on Instagram or, or Facebook and showing yourself before all the world when you, when you belong to somebody else. That stuff right there is going to come back. The Lord has made the wicked even for the day of judgment. He's going to use you an example one day. You say an example for who? Well, the Old Testament was an example for you so that that law could teach you that you're a sinner. What's going on now in this age is also going to be an example for those who are born out in eternity. We better walk the line. A man in eternity, a man that's born in eternity, never has known Sin never has known the Adam's nature. Never had he he'll be made just like Adam was made in the garden, and he'll have you as an example. He'll have a whole history of the problems that are caused by not doing what God tells you to do. And the, in the future, it won't be don't eat off the tree. There will be a legislative. There will be a kingdom 
on this earth with rules and regulations under it. Matthew chapter 5, for example. But he says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, uh, himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. The Lord's going to use your rebellious attitude as an example in, in the future if you are part of that group. I'm not saying that all of you are. Hopefully all of you are saved and born again and on your way to heaven, not paying for your own merits, at least uh, beyond this life. Amen. You will pay for your own merits. The wages of sin is death. You reap what you sow. You do pay for your own merits in this life. The way of the transgressor is hard. But you're not going to pay for them in, the, in eternity. You understand that. If you did, you'd be in hell. Everyone that is proud in heart, verse 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. When the Twin Towers were knocked down by the terrorists and uh, everybody began to pull together as a country, rather than getting bumper stickers that said, we need to repent before God, they got them that said American pride. And Walmart put most of them out. Most of the ones I've seen were from Walmart. But Walmart has a pretty big scope, has a pretty good, pretty big influence on Americans. And American pride, or the little thing would say Walmart, and then it would say proud to be this or that. That's not what you need in a situation like that. You need repentance. It's time to get right. Nothing to be proud of. I keep hearing these preachers in this day and time. You go to a camp meeting, and I'll be going to one tomorrow, so be praying for me if you would. But they all, these preachers are now always saying, oh, oh, these hard preachers, these hard preachers, Baptists are the only ones that shoot their own. Well, some of y'all Baptists need to be shot. We're the only ones that kill our own. Well, half of you, I mean, you get an old dog out there and she has five or six puppies and two of them six. She'll choke them out to, to save the good ones. About what a, a hog or a cat or anything else would do to their youngins. Amen. He said, are you comparing us? No, God compared you to a hog or a dog. Amen. Root them out. The thing most of us in this day and age deserve to be rooted out. The Lord could root me out and be justified with it right now. But I tell you what, the, the, the things that I do see and the things that I do know, I'm going to put it out. You call that gunslinging preaching or you call it shooting your own or killing your own. I call it reviving my own, really. Amen. You call it one thing because that's the way you see it. Preachers are saying that because they're the ones getting hit. That's right. That's they're the right. one that feel like getting killed. All oh, this guy's killing me. Well, I mean, get right with God and shout the walls down. Amen. They preachers used to preach like that all the time. Preachers get together and shout her out. Amen. Go to a camp meeting and uh, my uh, my old preacher would go to a camp meeting. Uh, one of these Georgia camp meetings up there in North Georgia. I forget the the guy's name right off the top of my head, but. Most everybody used to know about it anyway. Uh, I believe it's Faith Baptist Church, but I can't remember the preacher's name at all. Sammy Allen, that's right. And preacher like you go down there and skin their highs. Everybody's shouting and hollering. You go to a camp meeting and do that now, boy. And he's trying to discourage you. No, sin's trying to discourage you. Sin's the thing that's choking you out. The wages of sin is death. The waging of the wages of preaching is not death. 
the, the people that don't like hard preaching is the Ahabs. He said to Elijah, you're troubling Israel. He said, no, man, you're troubling Israel. Make your wife behave. Ain't it funny how in the Bible the names always fit? Jezebel. She wasn't named Mary or <laughs> Molly Pitcher. I mean, she didn't have the she had a she had the right name, did you? It's almost like somebody come back in there and change the names to fit the narrative, but that ain't the way it happened. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. The Lord hath made all things for himself. The Lord just looked, Lord just looked down the line before he made anybody and saw what was going to take place, and he just guided the biblical history right there, put the spotlight on it, and you've been looking at it ever since. Jezebel, Ahab. Hate the preacher. <clears throat> They'd have loved Joel Osteen, though. They had 400 just like Joel Osteen. Amen. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Let's move on here. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpublished. All the nations can get together. Hand joined in hand. You see that? United. We'll all get together. We'll get rid of this. We'll get rid of that. We won't, we'll get rid of all things that are politically incorrect. And we'll... we'll what they're called as social engineers. They're working on things. And you don't know it. I suppose you're too dumb to know it, but television and radio and everything else is, is woven together to go hand in hand with that. It's propaganda. It's propaganda. When people who are selling soap start putting two homosexuals on there to advertise soap, they're trying to tell you something. They're, they're trying to engineer that. They're trying to make that look good. Why take a... I've noticed over the last five years they've started putting uh, interracially mixed... Uh, interracially mixed means the same thing. But they're putting mixed couples on there now as families. They're not married. They're two actors with a little kid who's also an actor. And they're trying to show you this... They're not trying to say, oh, look, we accept this. They're trying to get you to accept it. Now listen, if, you, if you're a white girl and you like a black man, don't you know that already? Do you need somebody to tell you that? If you're a white male and you like a white woman, don't you know that already? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If you're a, a stupid little man and you like another stupid little man, don't you know that? <laughs> do, you need, do you need somebody to get on television and tell you you ought to do that? Absolutely not. So what's the point in putting all this stuff on television? It's to get people who are not like that. To recruit. Homosexuals can't reproduce. They've got to recruit. That's right. Amen? That's right. And they have got to get you to turn loose of your historical position on a lot of things moral. Yes, sir. And the way they do it is they do it while they're telling you about Dawn Dish Soap. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Hmm? They'll give you girls who like princesses and all this stuff. They'll give you a, a dimly lit ballroom and a 
handsome man and then in the corner there's this lady smoking a cigarette you've come a long way baby you still look like a smokestack I don't care how long you've come you've come a long way you just look tireder than you did before amen well that's what it is it's just it's, it's just people get, the world has gotten together to, to sell everything that will break down the priorities and the standards and the principles that were set up by a nation of people who believe the Bible. Amen? It's, it's why Japan can bomb Pearl Harbor and every, Japan, 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 that's all you hear on the news every day. Buy their cars, uh, buy their technology, buy this, buy that. Well, they do that every day. But at a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, we had a civil war, and they're still talking about them stinking Southerners, those stinking Southerners, those those stinking Southerners. They don't care about the racism. They don't care about that at all. Those Southerners live in a place called the Bible Belt. Right. That's, the That's the only issue. Yep. Amen. Amen. Why not? Why, why don't they talk about the racial slave traders that are still at, present in Africa today? Every black person that's ever bought anything in Walmart bought it from a plantation master. Made in China. That's right. What's the problem? Why, is it, why are you still mad at Southerners for something they did over a hundred years ago, but you're not mad at China for what they're doing today? In Thailand and Bangkok and Africa, where they still have slaves. Because you're a dirty hypocrite, that's why. Anyway, let's move along. By mercy and truth, verse 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Well, that's a two-step process right there. I think we all could be better acquainted with it. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. In other words, God's had mercy on us. He's gave us the truth of it. We can get down on our knees. We have access to get rid of the bondage that we live under, that we serve under. Your flesh and mine is it's addictable. I, I don't know what the correct terminology is. It's very prone to addiction. Your flesh and my flesh. Uh, like Lester Roloff said, there's no preacher flesh, there's no deacon flesh. There's just flesh. There's no priest flesh or no archbishop flesh. All we have is flesh. That's all we've got. And it is very prone to addiction. Amen. Amen? So we stop and we start. We quit and we start back again. You quit drinking Cokes and you'll be back at it if you love them good enough. You just, that's just the way that it is. Uh, we, don't go down the, we don't go down the beer aisle. And I, I don't, not saying that I have temptation with alcohol or anything like that. I just don't go near it. Don't go around it. I don't go back to the bars. I don't right. hang out and stuff like that. I don't put myself in that. I've drank a lot of beer and, and uh, not Budweiser either. That's horse pee. But at any rate, that's uh, uh, liquor and beer and stuff like that. But we just don't go down that aisle. And my son and my wife yesterday were coming out of the garden section there, the produce and the beer aisles right down that way. And my boy spots some man grabbing two bottles of booze on top of his lungs. He's getting a bad drink. <laughs> uh, I told Ruth, I said, don't be embarrassed of him. Let him go. Amen. Let him do it. Amen. If they, somebody gets offended and, and says something, let them say something. They put their hands on it, then 
Get their name and address. <laughs> Amen. But let the boy talk. Amen. That's exactly right. But you, your, your flesh is, is prone to addiction. And the way you break those habits is not a 12-step process. It's a two-step process. Get under God's mercy and learn the truth. Learn the truth. Learning the truth is an antidote for the addictions of the flesh. The sins are, you say, why? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more truth you learn, the more your mind is changed, the more your mind is altered. And I would say this without too much hesitation, your mind is strengthened. It's the weakness of the mind, what we call the will. You can use any terminology you want to. But it's the weakness of the mind that keeps going back to the beggarly elements. I need to look at this picture. I need to drink this beverage. I need to smoke this uh, whatever. You understand what I'm trying to say. But the mind is strengthened as it's transformed by the truth. And the, the, the powerful element in the equation is God's mercy. God giving you the mercy and God giving you the grace to have that transformative experience, to give you the time. If God gave you a one-month break from alcohol so that He could disciple you, that'd be a merciful thing and a graceful thing. And some of you don't even know how you did it, when you did it, but you tried a million times, and then that one time you committed to the Lord and really humbled yourself to God and repented and opened yourself up to the, to the leadership of the Lord, that worked. Amen. You went to hypnosis, <laughs> smoking cigarettes. I used to hear about in the service these guys were going to be hypnotized. I'm going to be hypnotized, and then I'm going to, you know, stop smoking cigarettes. And they stopped for about a week, and then a month later they were smoking more cigarettes than they ever smoked in, <laughs> in their life. Well, what, what happened? The hypnosis is not the power of God. Right. Right. Amen. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And then this, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That repentance and the fear of the Lord can't be done without one another. I need to let that soak in because that, that's going to help you for the rest of your life. The fear of the Lord, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Well, so much for this new generation of preachers that's just going to encourage each other I guess I guess it'd be right to say they're going to encourage one another to death. Yep. <laughs> you kill them with kindness. That's exactly what you're doing. You're killing folks. You say, why? Because if they're going to depart from evil, that's going to take the fear of the Lord. Uh, ever how you want to say it, ever how you want to word it, basically you're saying, if you don't get right, God's going to kill you. You know, it's not enough just to say, you know, God hates sin. Oh, everybody can agree with that. Somebody else is sin. But what people need is, is to be preached to. If you don't do right, God's going to kill you. You say, well, you know, Brother Mike, they might live the rest of their lives. Well, that's not the point. The wages of sin is death. If God kills you when you're 70 or if God kills you when you're 50 or when, if God kills you when you're 10, what difference does it make? Except for you'll enjoy living longer. But the wages of sin is death. And we've read it in the book of Proverbs. There's no way you could have come with me 16 chapters into the book of Proverbs and not notice that there's consequences for your actions. 
And there's a blessing in doing right. There's life in doing right. And there's punishment and chastisement and ultimately death in doing wrong. And the antidote for, for being an evil person, a bad person, and leaving that for another life is the fear of the Lord. That is the antidote. Amen. I hesitate to label it along with the bomb of Gilead, but there is a bomb. There is an antidote. There is a medicine for the condition of man. It is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's, let me put it simpler. It's, it's the beginning of you starting to choose the right things and do the right things. You could say the word wisdom it means the same thing. I've run out of time. Boy, we didn't get as far as I hoped we would. In, at any rate, nothing new. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And Lord, we've uh, skipped to two or three uh, different subjects because that's the, uh, the makeup of the chapter here. And we do thank you for this truth. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness, and we ask you, O oh God, to be very merciful to us, God. Uh, very few of us, very few people that I know, period, who can live up to all these things that's contained in the book of Proverbs. We're not, we're not a race of wise men, God. We're a race of fallen men who are just hoping to attain to some measure of wisdom in this life. Help us, God, to attain to what we can attain to. And, God, for the rest, I ask you for mercy and grace. I ask you, oh God, Lord, if you were to hold us to account for every verse just in the book of Proverbs, we'd be hopelessly lost, we'd be hopelessly helpless. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to walk a little bit higher than that. And we'll thank you, God, for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.